Hello, everyone, and welcome to another roundtable episode of We Need to Talk. I'm your host, Melinda, and today we're going to be talking about the significance of Pride Month, Black Lives Matter, intersectionality within the LGBTQ community, being an ally, and much more. Joining me on the show today are singer, songwriter, and American Idol finalist, David Hernandez. What's up, everybody? Singer, songwriter, and leader, Gaddison. Hey, how's it going? And LGBTQ recording artist, songwriter, and activist, Tori Mercer. Hello. Thank you guys so much for being on the show. Thanks for asking. Thanks for having us. Thanks for having us. Are you guys hanging in with uh, all the pandemic and all the other craziness that's going on in the world today? (laughs) Listen, it's crazy out in these streets. I'm telling you that much. (laughs) It is crazy in these streets. We are all trying to survive, right? Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah just, just when you thought it couldn't get any any more hectic or upside down, mm-hmm. you know, like I, things just. I always roll. wake up every morning and I'm like, okay, what's trending on Twitter today? Yeah, <laughs> like, what do we have to face today? I know. Oh man. Well, for those of you listening that don't know, but I'm sure everybody does, June is officially Pride Month, and I want to talk to you all a little bit about what Pride Month is and why it's important, mm-hmm. why we have it, and what it means to you personally. So, Tori, I'm going to start with you. What is Pride Month, and why is it important? Well, I think Pride Month for me, um, I'm LGBT. I think I said that in my intro, but I'll just say that again. But uh, for me, it is um, really, it comes from the history of the kind of foundation and forming of the modern LGBT, as we understand it today, LGBT community. It really came from the Stonewall Riots, which was the historical event that led to what we understand Pride to be today. Um, It's really about showing, I mean, in its most basic form, it's about, I think, um, being able to be proud of and celebrate who you are um, within the LGBT community. And then I think, you know, it comes from a history of rioting against police brutality, which I'm sure we will talk about. And, Mm -hmm. um, you know, that it was the original foundation of pride. And so I think um, it, it is something that should be in my opinion, anti-police, anti-law enforcement, you know, that's something we can talk about, but, you know, ultimately it is to stand for all of the community and, you know, what that really means. Great. What is pride for you? Um, All those things that Tori just said. And on top of that, I think it's about loving yourself unapologetically and also appreciating each other's differences. It's amazing. I do a lot of pride tours and to see every year the audience gets younger and younger and younger and even heterosexual couples come with their little kids on their shoulders. And it's just cool to see that it's not, no longer just an LGBTQ plus community. It's just a community mm-hmm. of people that are accepting and loving. And it's always just, a, I've mm-hmm. never been to a pride where people are not just like so incredibly like embracing. It's always love, love, love. So that's, for me, that's pride in yourself and pride in your community and other people. That's I love what that. For. I love that. Gaston, mm-hmm. what about you? Yeah, you know, it's interesting for me because um, I just recently came out, right? So, I mean, my experience, uh, you know, three, three years ago is when I came out. And I came out from the kind of evangelical, charismatic church world. So I have been taught my whole life what Pride Month is. And it has nothing to do with what I know it to be now or what I've been hearing about it being now. And so I feel like I'm in this weird space right now, honestly, where I'm a student uh, yeah. and I'm, I'm learning what Pride Month is hmm. and, and why it's so important to, to me and to my being. Um, and so it's been very interesting. I remember when uh, I first came out 
And I was like, oh my gosh, I'm going to go to one of these, the pride. I mean, they made it sound so scary. <laughs> you know? Yeah, I was like, I was going to ask you, what were you taught to believe Pride Month was? Oh my God. It was just, like like it was center, a complete a debacle. <laughs> yeah, oh, wow. it was yeah. a complete debacle. It was just, um, it was everything that was evil. It was everything mm. that God didn't yeah. like. It was everything. And so so you have this idea going in your, your head of like what, at least I had this idea in my head of what it was. Yeah. And I remember uh, going to, for my first time going to uh, LA Pride and um, my birthday actually landed on Pride. So it landed on the Sunday when they do the parade and that, that mm -hmm, kind of thing. Mm -hmm. So I'm sitting there and I, it's my birthday. And I'm I'm like taking in the, the the parade, and then I see this little kid walk in the parade, and and just everybody around me celebrating, and this life and love and energy in the air, and I literally started crying because I was just like I felt like for me, um, God was like, this is how I celebrate you. Mm, this is how yeah. I what it feels like when I look at you. And it wasn't this, um, you know, for me, I had believed my whole life that being gay was this kind of like downer, you know what I mean? And it yeah. was this thing that was disgusting. And, um, and so to, to look at the pride celebration and to feel God in that moment for me um, was just a beautiful thing. Oh, That's I got awesome. chills. That I is beautiful. That. I feel like that I your story. You... No, go, go ahead, David, go ahead. No, I love how you said that when, when you realized like that God was saying like, this is how I celebrate you. Yeah, like right. I love that gives me, that makes me emotional because that's a beautiful like awakening that you had and mm -hmm. you yeah. conditioned yeah. to believe completely that. the opposite growing right. up. And then you experience right. it for yourself, which I think is important mm -hmm. for anyone to do is experience it before you judge it. Exactly. And then you had a whole yeah. different outlook of what it was. It's yeah. so cool. Absolutely. And I think your story is probably a lot of people's story, to be honest. And I'm mm -hmm. really grateful for you for sharing mm -hmm. that. And it's such a shame that people don't get to that place because if you, if you think that God is synonymous with love, then why wouldn't right. this be accepted? Right. You know? exactly. right. Yeah, That's absolutely. what I never yeah. understood. So interesting. Um, I actually have a, you know, a friend of mine who's in music and he's done a couple of shows with me here and there. Um, mm. He's a producer. And I last year for Orange County Pride last year, I was on the main stage performing and mm. um, my- I did main... it last year too. Oh, really? That's so funny. Yeah. yeah. So we both were at the same event. That's so funny. Um, <laughs> so there you go. Um, but yes, yeah, so I was there and my main producer couldn't do it. He had another gig. And so um, I had my other friend jump in and he himself is Christian. He's not in the community. And I remember him saying, you know, what kind of a like eye-opening and changing experience it was for him mm. to just be there and to be part of the event. And because, right. I mean, he had a lot of, he told me he, after the event was over, he was, he said, I'm going to be honest. Like I had some preconceived notions of what pride was. Absolutely. And this completely just blew that out of the water. This completely Absolutely. just showed me why it's such a big deal and why it's so meaningful to people. Like he, he actually got emotional about it. It was really cool to see him say that, you know? Yeah. That's amazing. Uh, that's it's a big really deal. Cool. It is a really huge is. deal. Mm -hmm. um, so currently, you know, with uh, our political climate, um, we've noticed. <laughs> <laughs> I know. <laughs> Anytime I say that phrase, people are like, oh. I know it's exhausting. It's, it's exhausting. I mean, here it alone, I feel like we've all aged at least 10 years within this Period. first six months. <laughs> um, but we're seeing a surge, you know, currently in the Black Lives Matter movement specifically. Mm -hmm. And I've always found it interesting when I do see members of the LGBTQ community that don't get the Black Lives Matter movement. Mm -hmm. yeah. um, so any of you Irony. can kind of talk about this. There is a lot of irony within that. 
how, why do you think there are so many similars with similarities within those two movements? And why do you think people haven't connected the dots yet? It's a deep question, y'all. <laughs> yeah. it's a deep I question. Some, I have some very strong opinions on this. So I'm only go, for it. Go, go for it, David. Go for it. <laughs> I think that racism is super prevalent, if not more so in the gay community. I think hurt people hurt people. Mm. Um, you don't see a lot of black go-go dancers. You don't see a lot of black bartenders. You don't see a lot of black public figures in the gay community. Why? I don't, I don't understand why. I've always wondered that question. Yep. Um, and I think that you know, you, there's, you know, me and Jay Rodriguez were just talking about this is like, you see all these photos of pool parties with the white guys with the super chiseled bodies that we don't get really invited to. And if we do get invited to, it's because we can pass for white, you mm -hmm. know what I mean? But like the minute they know my last name is Hernandez, it's almost like a, well, you know, you know, and, and I know in the past, like they've not wanted to use my face for certain like promotions for like a Latino night or something, or maybe they want to use my face, but it's not the one with the beard. It's the clean shaven where I look white or what, you know, whatever it is. So I think that that, I think there's a huge stigma and a huge racist, racist sort of problem in the gay community still. And I know Gaddison, you have to, you have to feel some of this too, when you go out, like, do you see a lot of people that look like you? No, like, right. it's, you know, it's just not. And so we have, it, it's just really ironic to me too, because we have been marginalized and oppressed for so long. Mm -hmm. And we fought for the same rights that black people are fighting for now. And, and but, but like, why, why don't we apply it to our same community? It just doesn't. It's weird to me. Yeah. It's weird to me. It's yeah. frustrating. Mm -hmm. Tori or Gaddison, you have the floor. <laughs> um, I have thoughts, but I can, I mean, Gaddison, if you want to speak first, that's what you can. I, listen, I think it's so interesting to me because, again, because I'm coming out of um, one kind of oppressive situation mm. and then hopping into this, also, one of the things that I kind of thought when I came uh, into the LGBTQ community, there was this idea that, like, it's all love and everybody's welcome and, like, huh. you're just going to kind of come into this thing and people are just going to embrace you and it's going to be this thing. Yeah. And I feel like I came into it and kind of had this very jarring experience mm. um, where mm. I did not receive that level of embrace. Um, I mean, and I just, I don't know, there's so many things that I could say. I think How there, so? I, I, I feel like, um, how do I say this? I feel like it, it is, um, there's a role that people like for me to play. Okay. It is a, uh, um, black masculine caricature if mm. i could say that okay. um yeah. it's kind of this like this is what your role should be if you don't fit into this box then you're kind of weird and you don't fit into this moment mm. um and so i don't know I, that's just been my personal experience and obviously i don't speak for every black person that's that's in the lgbtq community but that's been my experience um and i don't know it's just I don't know. Well, I'm curious. What are like the specifics of that caricature? Like, what do you think that you are supposed? What role are you supposed to fill? Yeah, I feel like um, there are things like, for instance, uh, uh, masculinity mm -hmm. when it comes to a black man uh, is. I mean, hell, let's not even talk about the black community of, of as what you're supposed to be <laughs> yeah, and masculinity right. and all that kind of stuff. But I do feel like when you come into the gay community, it's either 
you're extremely feminine and a queen, a black queen, and we're accepting of that, or you're extremely masculine and there's, there's not a ton of in between. Mm-hmm. Um, at least again, in my experience. Right. So I know a ton of black queens that just like, you know, they, you know, yes, honey. And this, that, and the Giving other, it to you, honey. Yeah. 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 Right. Yeah. yeah. And then I know all of these, like, you know, like, you know, very masculine, uh, black men that, you know, it is what it is. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so I feel like when you land in between those things, it's just a, it's just a hard place. That's kind of crazy. You say yeah. that's, that's amazing. You say that because I I've dated several black men in my past and there's always, and I, and I'm not trying to stereotype, but there's always yeah. something that happens in the relationship where femininity might come into it, which by the mm-hmm. way, you can be feminine and masculine all the time. Right. Absolutely. Uh, Absolutely. Absolutely. But when the femininity came into the relationships with the particular people I dated, it did all of a sudden it didn't work out for them it was like yeah. bro like yeah. i'm not fucking I'm right, not right, this, right. Or i'm not that or mm-hmm. i'm not right. i'm not gay like that right and right and i don't know if that is a black thing or if that's just a gay thing because i remember when i first come out too i didn't like when people called me girl i didn't i didn't uh-huh. like when people were like oh girl you are serving i'd be like i'm not a girl right. i'm a, I'm a right. guy right. and now it's like <laughs> yeah. i don't care if you call me sis on, sis. Or girl or anything because i know who i am now right so it's like you can call yeah. me any sort of pronoun you want. And, and I, you know, I, I don't take offense to it. So, but I did mm-hmm. notice dating the black guys I've dated. Like it's always been like one, one guy tried to fight me once in the back of the taxi cab. Like we were dating, properly dating. And then he was like, yo, you <laughs> want to go, bro? You want, cause it was like a mild argument. Yeah. Like, you want to go? And I was Jesus. like, not really. I kinda <laughs> not, really. Yeah. not really. Not today. To not today. Right I'm good. Today. I'm good. Oh <laughs> so, my God. In terms I, of being black or a cultural thing in terms of being gay or mm-hmm. maybe both mm-hmm. and ra- being raised religious or I don't know. Like there's so I many think, layers to it. Yeah, yeah, I do think I do think that there is a mix of things happening, um, uh, at least from what I noticed. I think there's a mix of things happening. I do think that, you know, black culture in general, not everybody, but black culture in general, at least what I was raised in is anything feminine, uh, cis, girl, queen, all that stuff yeah. is very very degrading yeah and i do think that that actually comes from trauma uh mm-hmm. i mean that's a deeper conversation but 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 specifically trauma i think that has to do with slavery and the mm-hmm. way that um we were broken in slavery slave masters yeah. would actually yeah yeah, right. yeah you know what i'm saying and it's yeah. the role that the black uh, male is supposed to play in like the family yeah. for example right yeah Right. Yeah. So, Tori, before I get to you, uh, Gaddison, yeah. I do have one question for you um, before I get Come to Tori. On, talk to me. All right. Do you <laughs> find it, uh, do you find yourself kind of feeling split in two sometimes? Oh, all the time. Yeah. All the time. I mean, I know time. with my other uh, Black friends that are also identifying in the LGBTQIA community, it is hard and it does feel like Very a struggle. Hard. Like you have to choose almost which movement you're fighting for more. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, absolutely. Yeah. And it's a shame that they can't it coincide. Is. It's like they're not mutually exclusive. You know, we're right. all kind of fighting for the same things. And it is fr- yeah. increasingly frustrating to see the, the pushback from both communities because not only is there racism in the LGBTQ community, there's a lot of homophobia in the Black community that needs yes. to be addressed. Yes. Yeah. Um, and so for my friends that identify with both, I, I can only imagine that you have this kind of push and pull constantly. Absolutely. Yeah, definitely a push and pull. Definitely. I feel like I have, you know, in some ways this, 
these two things pulling at me, tug of war. Yeah. Um, and uh, it is sad because, I mean, for me, it's like these are two very real parts of who I am. And yeah. for me specifically, it's like, you know, I, I fought so hard to be in this space to, to own my Blackness and to own my um, my queer identity, right? So like yeah. to, to fight so hard to to stand in that place and then to feel like either I have to choose or people are looking at me to see what I'm doing more. It's just, it's a weird, it's a very weird feeling. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Tori, I wanna hear your thoughts. I actually relate from a very different point of view, but I do relate. Um, I think the way that I relate is that in my opinion, especially in LA, the gay scene is very, very catered to men, very mm-hmm. much so. Um, and most lesbians I speak to and or like, you know, especially if they're lesbians of color, et cetera, like feel extremely excluded from that right. scene. Um, yeah. I mean, the first time I went there with a, on a date with a girl, I got like groped and both of us almost got assaulted. Like, I'm not kidding. So like, uh, this yeah. is something that happens there. Mm-hmm. Like it's a terrible space for women. And um, I feel, I guess, because I present feminine and yet mm-hmm. I prefer women. People make a lot of assumptions about me and mm-hmm. even being in music and everything. Like they want, they expect me to make a certain kind of a music. They expect me to cater to men. You know, it's just it's just part of my life, and it, it can be really really tiring when that's not even what I'm here to do, and when not even what I'm about. Um, yeah. And so it's different, and I know that everybody has different experiences within that. And I think you know, um, I think for me that's like how I relate to it. Is I feel like um, there's many times where I don't feel fully comfortable in spaces that I feel are more of a men's space than a women's space. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and that. I do think there's a distinction yeah. there. A little bit. Well, I, you, you, to interject really fast, I've learned a really big lesson about lesbians and being gay myself. It doesn't give you the permission to touch and to smack and to grope. And I remember being schooled by many of my now friends that are lesbians. I mean, like, hey, listen, like, I get you're gay and you don't have any affinity or attraction towards me, but you still can't invade my space like that. And yeah. I, right. like, mm-hmm. that was a huge eye because I'm like, oh, come on. Like, you know, I get, yeah. come on, girl, you know, I got you like whack, right. you know, on her ass. And it's just like, that's still not okay and I think that's maybe a a big reason why gays and lesbians have had this sort of like uh, separation throughout the years since I mean I came out when I was 21 and I'm 37 now and I've never experienced aside from my lesbian friends them out of the bars and being cohesive normally we're just completely separate from each other and that's maybe why so that's interesting I was I was actually gonna ask like what is because I mean again because I'm new kind of to the scene what is the deal? I've always been like, you know, I thought the lesbians, the gays, everybody was just gonna be, you know, in the same yeah, place. Yeah, what no. what is going on? What's what's happening? Why why is there a divide? What's going on? I mean, I have to think, I mean, there's a lot of divides. It's not just between like gay men and lesbians. Like there's uh-huh. also divides between bisexuals and, and okay. you know what I mean? Like there's like a lot of different divides. But like what I would say is I mean, on the note of what we're talking about, I think that I mean, speaking as somebody who's been to like lesbian exclusive events and things like mm. that, usually they're very, they're run very, very differently than men's events are. I um, see. And, and I think that in some ways, like women's spaces are handled a little differently than men's spaces are. Gotcha. Um, there's, I think there's more of a priority on safety and, you know, there's more, there's a lot more of that that's like immediately embedded into the space. Whereas I feel like when it is a men's space, like naturally um women especially if you are of the lgbt denomination you're vulnerable like you are 
Um, it can be really scary being in an environment where it's predominantly men, even if it is gay men. Gotcha. Like, yeah. Gotcha. Yeah. Yeah. So, so Tori, in, yeah. in terms of like women's spaces and intersectionality within women's spaces in the LGBTQ community, what have you mm-hmm. witnessed? Because I'm sure it's the mm-hmm. same as, you know, men of color being within the gay community and women of color. So what have you observed yeah. within the women's spaces in the LGBTQ community as far as intersectionality goes? Absolutely. Um, so, I mean, I do think... You know, as we're kind of talking about, I definitely see and I've been to events before where, um, you know, it's a predominant, you know, there's a lot of white people there. Um, mm-hmm. That is some of what happens, like white lesbians, et cetera. But I wouldn't say that's exclusive. I do think I've seen, and I don't know if there's this exists within gay men's spaces, but I think I, I have seen within women's spaces, they prior- there's events where they prioritize like lesbians of color. Okay. And, you know, you know they, they will have specific events for that. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think I've been educated on that through friends of mine who are lesbians of color and they kind of, I don't know, be, I think, be, be, you know, as a result of knowing them, they know the good spaces for that. And so sometimes I'll come with them, but otherwise, you know, everything I know is like through that lens, I guess. But um, I mean, I, I do see it. I do think that there's absolutely a racism problem within that community as well. Um, I know mm. one thing that is a very big thing that I see ha- yeah, come up a lot is the term stud is a specific mm. term to black lesbian. And mm. I see a lot of white lesbians who are butch like appropriating that term. You know, if mm. you, you know, if you're more masculine, I see white lesbians calling themselves studs and that's really not what they should be doing. It's specifically historically a black lesbian term. That's one that gets a lot of beef um, in that sense. Mm. And also I think, there's a I'm being educated right now, honey. <laughs> I'm like, yo. Jeez, I'm here for all of this. Yeah. Well, there's butch and femme too. Like there's definitely clash between those two, like totally different groups of people in many ways. Like right. I would say, and that's, you know, that's like another divide that's not even racial. I would say mm. um, butch and femme. Like there's, the, I don't know, because unfortunately yeah. butch lesbians can develop sometimes a little bit of toxic masculinity in, in, certain, in certain cases. And mm. that right. can manifest yeah. on the femmes. Like there's a lot of, there's a lot of layers, but. Wow. wow. Yeah, I know. I'm like, oh, this is all interesting. I mean, <laughs> yeah. Because I, I, I remember, um, like, for years and years, people would be like, oh, you're gay? Oh, what a waste. Oh, but you know what? You're not that kind of gay, though. Like, you don't seem gay. Mm. And for a long time, I'd be like, yeah, you're right. Yeah, I'm good. Like, I'm that kind of gay. And then as I got older, I was like, what does that mean? Like, yeah. are you saying that feminine gays are less than? Or mm-hmm. that because I'm gay, I'm a waste. Or right. like I, it just I don't understand why there has to be the butch and the femme and all that kind of stuff. And yeah. wear the mask yeah. for mask. Like why can't you just be right. who you are? And if just you like that, right. cool. If you don't, then just keep it moving. Right. Right. <laughs> exactly. Right. Right. Exactly. <laughs> so for you guys, in terms of being an ally, I feel like that phrase or being an advocate, it typically does refer to cisgendered white people mm. um, because they can be the most problematic. I'm just going to say. That. <laughs> um, but <laughs> I've, I've, I've noticed that. But recently, you know, people are finding it increasingly difficult to figure out how to do this the right way, whether it is with a movement like Black Lives Matter or within the LGBTQ community. So for you personally, you can just go down. I'll start with you, Gaddison. Like, how can you tell somebody to be a better advocate for one movement or both movements or all movements? Just how are you a better advocate and ally? What should people be doing? Um, I think um, the best thing that you can do, uh, and I think, uh, you know, a lot of people miss this, is just listen. Mm-hmm. I think sometimes, for me at least, uh, it's not so much that I want you to come in and put on your cape and try to save me. I, yeah. I would much rather and prefer 
that you come and have a conversation with me. Yeah. Uh, because I do think that sometimes we, because of our lenses that we, um, you know, grow up with and live life through, um, I, I think, you know, it's important to just sit down with the the other, right? Or the, the person that you feel is different from you and just mm-hmm. listen, talk and, and see yeah. if there's common ground and see if there's uh, uh, things that, you know, make sense and that mm-hmm. you're like, oh, I, I kind of, I, you know, I, I get down with that too or I, whatever. And I think once we start finding common ground, it's easier to become an ally, you know? You can take it from there. But I think the first step is just listening. Tori. Mm-hmm. Um, well, I mean, I come at this from, I guess, both sides of the coin, um, being an ally uh, to Black Lives Matter and then, um, you know, just people of color in general and then, you know, being in the LGBT community. So I think um, what I tell a lot of friends of mine as far as being an ally to the LGBT community, I think um, listening is a big component. I think um, one thing that I really appreciate is when, first of all, it's not about like social media is somewhat important, but it's not all about social media. Like you, it's about your actions surrounding social media. It's about your regular day-to-day actions that you take yeah, that right. no one else is seeing. Yeah. Right. Um, and so I think even, you know, I think also some people aren't even social media people and they feel like there's a pressure. And it's like, to me, it's even more important that you are in your day-to-day life, you know, incorporating mm-hmm. yeah. um, this into your lifestyle and saying, you know, being aware, like how many you know, is my, are the people that I spend most of my time around, are they diverse? You know, mm-hmm. if you're not in the LGBT community, do I spend time around LGBT people? You know, what, you know, how can I better that? And, and the same goes, you know, like, are you only around white people? Are you only, you know, it does it on different circles. Yes. I think you, you need to look at your life and, and, and look at how you can better educate yourself and, and have people around you that, you know, can give you different perspectives um, mm-hmm. and show up for them in the way you would show up for anybody else. Like there shouldn't be a stigma, you know, like, you know, just keep just show up you know there's such a fear to expose yourself to something new for a lot of people and i don't get it like why do you want to be around the same thing all the freaking time it's yeah it's so so monotonous and i I mean i think that's the beauty of this country despite all the terrible things you know that that there are so many different people and there are so many Mm -hmm. different experiences that you can have and different Mm -hmm. cultures to learn from and different personalities and it blows my mind when, for example, because I mean, we've all probably sung at weddings before. When you go yeah. to a wedding, I'm like, you don't have one black friend? Like what? Not right. one? Just one? Like, not just <laughs> yeah. one black friend that you've invited <laughs> yeah. to your Second wedding. Cousin or, or, or anything. And, and it, it's like, I don't even know if I would want to be friends with you. Yeah. I haven't even yeah. tried to have relationships with people that don't look like you. Right. Um, yeah. Just getting, mm-hmm. to know, you know, getting to know, you know, obviously you can hide it, quote unquote, a little bit more when you're a member of the LGBTQ community mm-hmm. um, than you can skin color obviously um yeah just getting to know somebody in the lgbtq community and find out what their story is people right. just choose not to do that you know right yeah. um david for you what does being an ally or an advocate mean well you know google is such a beautiful thing these days <laughs> if, you ever, if you ever have any any questions about a people's struggle you can mm. just type it in and figure it out right. you don't need if your friend of person of color is not available or you know, your LGBT homie is not around, like, you can just open up the laptop or your iPad or your phone and figure out, like, hey, what happened during this movement or that movement? Mm-hmm. So that when you're in the spaces and you're being challenged, even if you're not a member of that community, you can still be a good representative of me, your friend, mm-hmm. and be yeah. able to speak intelligently about the struggles and why we do this and why this happened or mm-hmm. how, you know, Stonewall came about or, you know, any sort of movement. Like, and I, and I feel like people just mm-hmm. kind of take the lazy route and don't want to do the the research or the history or ask the questions and 
then when they're in those predicaments, whether it's with family or people in a different state, or you know, you're in a small ass town where everyone's narrow-minded, you don't really know what to say. And I, I think that's just a cop out. I think that there's easy ways to find the information and mm-hmm. to really be able to speak intelligently on whatever you're being challenged with. So that's to be an ally. I think is to educate yourself and, like Gaddis said, to listen. Yeah. And then when yeah. you hang up the phone when you're talking to, like, for example, when Melinda was, she was on my Facebook dragging somebody for filth, and she she threw in the Boston Tea Party. I had to Google the Boston Tea Party again to figure out what exactly happened. Oh my and gosh! That was, that was my homework. Like, so now wait a minute. I was like, she said Boston Tea Party, and I was like. Wait, what? Like, oh my God, she's throwing some knowledge at me. And so that's what Period. I mean. It's like you walk away from the phone call, but also open your computer and elaborate a little bit more and, and right. you know, feed yourself some knowledge. But the yeah, Boston right. Tea Party killed me though when you said that comment. Well, like, oh. people, my whole point of bringing it up was that, you know, riots don't bring anything and, you know, destroying things, blah, blah, blah. And like, you, have you read a history book? Right, like, right. Most, yeah. almost every single movement and, and revolution came from this type of behavior. Right. And it's from yep. people being desperate. And it was so funny that somebody tweeted, and you know, like, up. Um, yeah, somebody tweeted like, oh, you know, uh, Boston Tea Party only happened when they ran out of, you know, options and, and the hierarchy wasn't listening. And I was like, do you uh, hear yourself? <laughs> like you just walked, you face planted into the point right, into the and point. you still didn't even yeah. feel it. Like yeah. that's, oh the, that's the whole Absolutely. point of what's happening right now. Right. It's just, right, it's yeah. mind boggling that people yeah. just want to stay in their little bubble. Their little you lane said and something too on that same thread. You said violence shouldn't be the first resort, but mm-hmm. it most definitely is the last. Absolutely. our history. Absolutely. I mean, yeah. I yeah. mean, if people are at this point, there's a reason. It's not that like, right. people are like, oh, I'm just going to go burn down a building for no reason. It's like, right. no, they're desperate for people to be listening, you know. Yeah. Um, and I would yeah. say that the, the progress even, you know, we started, you talked about the Stonewall riots, the progress in the LGBTQ community, mm-hmm. it started with that, you know, yeah. and it's all, all goes mm-hmm. back to police brutality, <laughs> you know? It goes right. back to police brutality and to go back to the the racism in the community, who mm-hmm. started the Stonewall riots? Right. Black trans black women. Trans and women. so why right. are black trans women now just getting visibility and getting to be seen yeah. and recognized and also yeah. dying at an alarming rate yes. when they're the ones that gave mm-hmm. us the rights that we have right yeah. now? So right. I, I don't think Absolutely. people are educating themselves. They're not understanding. Like, no. this is the shit that actually went down to get you to where you can hold your right. man hand walking down Santa Monica, yeah. girl. Right. So and I like- wonder, why do you think that that crucial part of history for the LGBTQ community has gotten lost? I I would say there's a lot of reasons. I think, um, I mean, so, I mean, I know I, I've been doing a lot of research recently on the LA pride situation. Mm-hmm. Um, just because I'm in LA and I mean, here's one example. I think unfortunately pride has become this mainstream sort of capitalist commodity at this point is kind of what I would say. It's become, you know, this marketing thing where companies get behind it and they put rainbow yeah. on their brand and it That's becomes this very capitalist. Yeah. Right, exactly. Yeah. And so um, specifically with LA, there's this group called Christopher Street West, I believe is their name. And yeah. Um, is very, very predominantly white and it's um, predominantly like wealthy white gay men and like allies to the community. It's not, it's not a representation of the community really at all. And they are the ones who put together the festival. They're very pro cop and they've, they've said in statements before, you know, we've, we've worked so hard to be normalized. We've worked so hard to get this relationship with the police that we have today. And it's, in my opinion, I think it's spitting in the face of what pride really is. You know, mm, it's right, awful. Right. That's why they canceled it. Right. Isn't that why? Because they yeah. act, the letter actually surfaced from the head mm-hmm. of pride yep. asking for the 
permission from the police before he asked for permission from Black Lives Matter to even hold this 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 right. Um, so they announced the event oh, before they before they got Black Lives Matter's approval, and then when the police were not you know, when they found out that there could be police involvement, of course, Black Lives Matter was like, no. And then so the LA Pride had to backtrack and release this statement after the fact. It was kind of embarrassing, honestly. I was like, wow. Wow. I didn't hear it. I didn't know anything about that. That's crazy. I'm a little confused about it, though, because I also understand the need to involve the police in terms of, because the protests that I went on, they've always been following us and handing out waters and making sure that we were safe. And I know other people have different experiences across the globe. But um, Mm -hmm. do you think that maybe that was, sort of protocol they needed to reach out to the police in order to get the approval that we could go from hollywood and highland all the way to west hollywood or like what i don't know like i mean it's it's a very tricky one i understand that it's not easy but i also think um you know la pride has sort of become this like i said a lot of pride festivals i'm just speaking about la because we're in la but um you know, all pride festivals or a lot of pride festivals have become the sort of mainstream capitalist sort of entity. And it's a brand, you know, in many ways. And so they have, because they are a little more corporate and they have a little bit more of this backing, they have this relationship with them. And so they would want to make it more of a formal event when really that's not the nature of what needs to be happening right now. And that's definitely not what Mm. Black Lives Matter stands for. And so it was just kind of an appropriation of of those words just to look good kind of. Mm. Got it. You know. Okay. Okay. Right. Which you see happening a lot, unfortunately. I think people yeah. are yeah. Um, misusing the movement for their own gain in a lot of situations. Right. Mm-hmm. Always comes um, down to money, don't it? Yeah. 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 Pretty much. It does. It really does. Mm-hmm. Um. So you guys were all artists, which is a beautiful thing. Even though right now in pandemic, it's a little difficult. Um, um, but you know I've always been a huge believer that if you have a following and you have a voice that people are listening to you should use it to invoke positive change a lot of people think that singers or actors artists should just shut up and do their art and I completely disagree with that but um, as artists uh, why do you think it is important to use your voice and the platform that you have to speak out about issues like this David I'll start with you um well, I think that you're, you know, you, you're already, music is kind of is the tie that binds everything, I think. And when you can create music that touches on every different race, age, religion, sexual preference, I think you have a responsibility to try to connect all of that together. Mm-hmm. And especially if you're, you know, verified and you have thousands mm-hmm. of followers and people are listening to you, you need to be putting out a message that reflects the times mm-hmm. and be on the right side of history. Like Nina Simone said years and years and years ago, um, you know, an artist should reflect the times. And I think that that's, mm-hmm. that still stands true. And I, and I know I have people that are like, well, I just want to make music and stay out of it. Well, guess what, girl, if you're on this earth, <laughs> you are not staying out of what's happening because it will right. directly or indirectly affect you. Yeah. So be be a, a voice of change and speak up for other people, even if you don't feel like you're marginalized or you're suffering because you're financially fine. Other people are hurting and it will always come back around just like with, you know, the looting and stuff. Yeah, I don't condone violence. And I don't condone any of that stuff. But if you were a person of privilege, now you're seeing those businesses around your place being completely destroyed when if you would have spoken up years and years ago, maybe we wouldn't be at this boiling point. Mm-hmm. So I think I think it's just the responsibility um, of any artist to just to stand up and create music that yeah. you know reflects the times. Yeah, Tori, absolutely. Oh, yeah. No, I mean, I think I think it is an obligation in the sense that um, I mean, something I aspire to do with my art is to make art and tell stories that I think don't always get visibility. Um, mm-hmm. 
And, you know, just from the things that I relate to, uh, especially like, you know, queer femme people, you know, LGBT. And, um, and so I, I really see it as, especially I, I look at like the younger generation a lot and kind of, you know, the younger generation are going to be the ones sort of leading the way after we're gone. And so yeah. I think about, you know, a lot of younger people who might be following you and people who, um, I mean, I've gotten messages as a result of songs of mine when I have been explicitly LGBT or I've talked about that and I've done pride festivals and stuff. I've had people either walk up to me in tears after a pride show or mm. send me messages saying that they came out to their parents with a song of mine. It's happened before. And mm. it's like, it's the most incredible thing ever. I mean, I could never ask for anything greater honestly as a gift than that from my music and and just seeing the impact that music can have I think mm. um for some people it can be a way it can be an access point um and, a, and kind mm. of a way to look into something that they might not understand and that mm. might get misrepresented normally and and art gives them the ability to kind of put their defenses down and and just kind of you know feel something for what it is mm. and and open their heart a little bit I think that's something that music especially but i think art in all of its forms can do that and has the power to kind of move people in that way yeah. and so yeah. super important absolutely mm -hmm. and gaddison i mean you just released a song that i'm so blessed yeah. that i got to be a part of so you're you're doing that you know so why yeah. why do you think it's so important to to use your your craft and in your platform for to invoke change yeah i think i think honestly for me, it was, um, I, I just felt like I, I, ha I absolutely had to, because <clears throat> I think that, um, you know, one, obviously there's people that are listening um, and that are tuning in to say like, how should I feel about this? There's a lot of people that are kind of on the fence. Um, yeah. How should I feel about this? What, you know, what should I make of all this, especially in this political climate where mm -hmm. we already feel like there's so much information being thrown at us and we don't really know what to believe. Uh, yeah. I think people more now than ever are looking to artists to kind of reflect the times, right? To, yeah. to kind of be like, and I think us as artists, that's what we do anyway, right? Is, is uh, we give our perspective on different topics, right? Whether yeah. that's, you know, going out to the club, I give my perspective on that, or whether that's me talking about love or me talking about um, a, a movement and what's happening in the world. And so I think that um, that's our position, that's our role. And to, um, to conveniently say, I don't wanna talk about this moment when it's probably one of the bigger, bigger moments we'll ever have in our lifetime, mm -hmm. um, I think is, is just, not very smart um yeah and um i think we have a big opportunity as artists to um to leave a legacy yeah. you know i think this goes to for me this is about leaving a legacy this is about yeah. like what the hell did i say what what, what mm. did i do what did i say when i had a platform um did i just talk about you know california magic and cruising non-stop in the drop top summer <laughs> right, hot i mean right. yeah. that's cool and i love that and that's all a part of me but but what did i say when right. like people were being you know brutalized like right. what, what was i saying and that's so, the thing i think people think that music is only supposed to make you feel good right or, or reflect your your current emotions and it's like no music's supposed to also have a message and teach you something yeah, you absolutely. know um so i'm i'm grateful for all of you for for using your music and using your voices to to do that um before we you wrap too. up oh you thank you a and you just released an amazing song with Gaddison. Yes. yes, 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 yes. It's called Be the Truth. Check it out. Be the Truth. 
comes on. Come on, be the truth. Yes, it's incredible. So glad to be a part of it. He wrote the crap out of that song and he sent it to me. He was like, Do you want to sing this with me? I was like, Yes. And he I didn't even fully I didn't even fully listen to the whole thing before yes and i listened to it i was like okay good anything gaddison was gonna do i was gonna be a part of anyway um but i'm so proud of you guys for all that you're doing um, before we wrap up though i'd love to hear from each of you what you would like to see happen by the end of this year i know that's a loaded question because this year's been full of a lot um <laughs> but what would you like to see happen whether it be some form of change whether it's when it comes to voting in november or just you know movements come together just what's something that in a perfect world situation you know it'd be really cool if this happened by the end of the year tori i'm gonna start with you i know heavy question (laughs) all right i know it is um i mean i think immediately the first thing comes to mind is uh voting trump out that'd be great Mm -hmm. um and you know i think it'd be really i mean we've been seeing some really Actually, I've even been surprised at how much has happened, you know, in the, these last few weeks as far as there's been Jeez. whole police departments being disbanded, like NYPD and yeah, like Minnesota. Yeah, yeah. It's like a lot has been happening as a result of this. And I hope that um, especially the younger generations are the ones who are known to be more the social media trend or whatever. I hope that, the, you know, the mainstream and all of that people stay on this, right. um, you know, and make that ha- the change that we need happen. And so we can start seeing more and more police reform. That'd be amazing. And or disbanding and defunding all of it. You know, I think yeah. it needs to be redone. It's yes. just not yep. working. Just start um, over so, completely. Yeah. So seeing that and um, I'm hoping, you know, that maybe hopefully there'll be a little bit of unity if, if mm. there's people standing up. I think there's the best and the worst of people coming out right now in these yes. times, I think. You know what yeah. I mean? Yeah. And oh so, God, yeah. Yeah, and so I hope, ourselves. yeah. That's exactly that's really true. That's true. Mm-hmm. David, what about you? What would you like to see happen this year? Well, I would love to see Trump out. I don't know what the hell he's still doing. He stands for everything that I stand against, but yeah. um, I would like to see police funds reallocated. I don't, I don't, you know, I, I think that the, I think police need funding, but not near as much as they have. Right. I think that we need right. community-based nonviolent organizations that can, do the simple things like traffic stops and citations and things that where you don't require a gun. Um, that I really think needs to happen. Um, which they proposed, and, they're proposing in LA, the nonviolent civil servants, which I think I love, yeah. is awesome. huge, huge. Yeah. Oh my God, that would be incredible. And I think that the anxiety you feel getting pulled over by an officer would be severely reduced. Like mm-hmm. just, you know, you don't yeah. feel like, oh my God, I could possibly lose my life in this yeah. traffic stop. Right. Yeah. Those, right. those types of yeah. things that are just petty, petty crimes that don't, I mean, the focus needs to be elsewhere or, right. you know, yeah. the crazy uh, people killing minorities in Podunk fucking Kentucky. I don't know. Anyway, yeah. Yeah. Um, I, dig- <laughs> I digress. I digress. Uh, but, but also I'd love to see um, the members in the LGBT community support our black brothers and sisters and yes. trans brothers and sisters more. So I, I think there's a huge lack in that. And, it's it, you know we're all in the same struggle we're all humans on the surface mm-hmm. not act like we're not directly or directly like i said before affected by this it's mm-hmm. just crazy and it's ignorant so i would like to see yep. those changes. great mm-hmm. gaddison what about you yeah i think in a broader sense um i the word for me through this whole year it's you know i i do that thing where like i try to get a a word for the year kind of thing. I think it's part of my evangelical thing left over. <laughs> but, um, um, but, but yeah, like I, I try to get a word for, for this year. And the one word that I got this year was, believe it or not, uh, transformation. Mm-hmm. And it's mm-hmm. interesting because um, 
So how I operate is I'm like, I try to I get a word, but then I see if it gets confirmed in like different other things, if there's different signs that come. And so anyway, the word for my actual um, uh, sign as a Gemini was extreme transformation. That was mm. the word for this, this year. And I was, I literally screamed because I had made the song that I released called Transformation before I had even seen all of that. So anyway, wow. I, I really do feel like we are being invited into, uh, uh, you know, collectively and individually into transformation. Mm-hmm. And I think that, you know, the only way real transformation happens is to be able to kind of be put into this uncomfortable situation. Yeah. Yes. Um, you know, you think about a butterfly and that cocoon is really tight, right? Uh, yeah. And it's a confined and it's a dark space. Uh, but in that confined and dark space, you actually transform into something beautiful. And I do think that we have an opportunity right now. I'm, I pray that we take advantage of this. I pray that uh, individually we accept transformation and say, yo, like there's things inside of me that are a little bit, that, that can't survive outside of this cocoon. And we need to just break free from that. And I think uh, yeah. as a society, we're, we're going through the same thing. So. Or you like better end on a sermon. Done. I know. <laughs> I love that. Where's that was beautiful. Come on, somebody. <laughs> <laughs> you better preach. I love it. Well, Gaddison, let let the listeners know where they can find you on social media. Yeah, absolutely. If you're on Instagram, you can find me at Gaddison Official, G-A-T-T-I-S-O-N Official. Um, on YouTube, same thing. And uh, and on Twitter, you can find me at I am Gaddison. Awesome. Tori, where can listeners find awesome. you? Yes, um, Instagram is my name, Tori Mercer, and that's T-O-R-R-E-Y-M-E-R-C-E-R. Um, and that goes for Twitter as well. And Facebook is Tori Mercer Music. Um, and then YouTube, I have I have a Viva. You can just look up my name and it'll all be there. So that's Great. that's me. And David, where can they find Everything you? Everything is, is D Hernandez Music, D-H-E-R-N-A-N-D-E-Z Music. And then on YouTube, it's a little different. It's David Hernandez Music. So... Great. Please look all, all of them up. I'm, they're not only friends, but I'm definitely fans of all of them. And they're no, all very talented. Yeah, you're amazing. Thank you. Yes. Oh, I'm obsessed with her. She's so cool. <laughs> she's a lot, y'all. Let me tell you, she's a lot. She's a lot. She's going to have a lot to say. I already know. She she is. Gonna... I already know. Yes, I love it. So good. Oh, well, thank you so much for joining me in this conversation. To the listeners, make sure you subscribe to We Need to Talk, and we will talk to you again real soon. Bye. Bye, guys. Bye. Bye.